Hola, hola, mi gente. Welcome to our very second episode of Latino Dad Connection. I'm very excited to be here. And uh, who we are, Latino Dad Connection, our mission is to inspire brown fathers to move forward and create their own legacy. And our vision here is to create a community of brown fathers supporting each other through this fatherhood journey. And this space is created uh, by brown fathers for brown fathers. And our podcast is a candid conversation of our fatherhood journey. Today, I'm very excited to have my compadre, Chris Luna, that I have known him for a couple of years now, uh, since 2021. Uh, I think I kind of stumbled or we met virtually uh, when I was starting to just share this message of of, um, being in connection with brown fathers and, and supporting brown fathers. Uh, I was collaborating with Latino Dad Media back then, and I was trying to send out this message. And funny story, Chris uh, was the f- I, I I I did a a meetup, a, a virtual meetup for dads, and Chris was the only one that showed up. So he's been there <laughs> since the beginning, and he's here now. I'm excited to hear a little bit more about his story. So muchas gracias, Chris, por estar aquí. Gracias a ti. Uh, yeah, no, I, I remember that. I remember saying, hey, you get five more people in here, like I'll, I'll join. And <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to see how it's thrived. And I got to participate in the latest one, mm-hmm. uh, the collective. Uh, and it's, I mean, I'm just, I'm really proud of this platform. Um, it's just, I'm, I'm really glad with everything you guys are doing. Muchas gracias. Thank you for your support since the, since the beginning. And you're here now, and yeah, you participated in our in our last cohort. Uh, maybe we can talk about that a little bit. But before we start and dive into this, I'd like to just take a small uh, time to take a deep breath in to tune into the present moment and just allow ourselves to to be present here. Mm-hmm. And in this Saturday morning, Chris, what's most present uh, with you today? Um, excitement that I get to share my piece. Yeah. I think uh, I, I, you know, doing the going on this journey, I haven't had a lot of people to come alongside me and to talk to about this. And so mm-hmm. to be able just to say these words out loud to others and, and hopefully it helps, um, but maybe just to relate uh, that, that gives me excited today. Yeah. Yeah. So sharing your story. And let's go ahead and uh, dive into your story. I would love for you, you to share a little conocimiento about your story for some of the listeners um, that are going to get to know you through this podcast. Um, how was your upbringing? What was uh, some some things that really impacted as you were growing up? Tell us a little bit more yeah. about your story. Yeah, uh, so... Uh, first off, I am a brown father of three kids uh, at the moment right now, 10, 8, and 4. Uh, two boys, one girl. Uh, I have a wonderful wife. We've married for 12 years. Um, but I grew up in a little town outside of San Antonio uh, called McQueen. And it was in a trailer park area. And so there was a little bit different than regular trailer parks. Uh, we had, you know, at least all of them had at least an acre or a little bit less of land. So we had room to run around. And at that time, when I was growing up, there weren't a lot of mobile homes on the land yet. So 
very big trees um, and a lot of land to run around. And so that was kind of the backdrop of, of everything that goes on. And so uh, I, my mother and father, they got married. Uh, I had a half sister um, that I didn't actually know who was my, she was my half sister till I was 18. So again, those Latino family secrets, right? When you find out when somebody's drunk or <laughs> when you get a lot older, right? Um, she's wonderful. Uh, so I have two sisters as well. And really I grew up, I would say, unfortunately, in a lot of the same cycles that uh, all of our gente do, right? With a father who was distant, uh, neglectful, um, who didn't really know me, and and a mom who was just trying to keep everybody together. Um, she was trying to keep everybody happy. Um, and I can imagine how hard that is being being a, a woman who has a, a husband who has very high needs, who doesn't express those needs, right? So how mm. always having the guests and walk out of eggshells. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then three kids, right? Uh, to where, you know, I spent a lot of time by myself being in that backdrop of the country and, you know, having some distance between our neighbors, there wasn't actually a lot of kids around uh, for me mm. to play with. And mm. so we had to go, we, we went to school in the next town over. Uh, and then that's where I had my friends, but you know, they were 30 minutes, sometimes 40 minutes away from where I was. And, you know, again, the Brown parenthood comes into play where they didn't trust me to go out, you know, with anybody uh, or yeah. stay the night at anybody's house, right? Or sleepovers. And they didn't want yeah. anybody coming over to our house either. Yeah. Um, you know, so we didn't grow up. I wouldn't say we grew up impoverished, but we grew up not having, you know, not having a lot of things, but we were taken care of at the same time. Um, I think some something happened uh, along the way where, you know, my, my grandmother died uh, and my father changed a little bit. He became mm. a little softer. He didn't hit us. Um, but in that, in that, in that pain of losing his mother, he withdrew a lot. He withdrew into his family of origin, his sisters, his, his brother, and we were left alone a lot. So it was kind of our family versus his family. And that comes into play, uh, later on in my life, because as you know, we were growing up, you know, the, my grandma watched us a lot, my grandma and her, and her daughters. And so during that time, uh, you know, we were around a lot of family and that was a time where I, I was sexually abused. Mm. And so, uh, you know, that was a big thing in my life that I honestly, it wasn't until I think 2009, 10, maybe I realized that that happened to me. My brain had, 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 had made it to where like, I didn't remember these things. And I, there was yeah. I don't, I, I don't remember the moment that I remembered what happened to me. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, I'm sorry, I do. So in my early 20s, I moved to Indonesia for four years. Um, Indonesia is right above Australia, right below uh, uh, Malaysia, Vietnam, Thailand, right. uh, for those who are trying to get geography down. And so um, I was riding a motorcycle and I was just in my thoughts, right? Because it was it was a it was a wonderful time. I was right driving on the beach, uh, and all of a sudden it hit me, like these these like flashes of of something came into my mind, and I had to stop my motorcycle, and get off, and I had to say, "What the hell is going on?" Like just a a a wave of shock came over me, and mm. uh, I had a friend at that time who was American as well, 
and we were talking about it and, and he helped me a little bit explore you know what that was and 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 I realized oh wow I was sexually abused when I was younger mm-hmm. so that had a lot of play into it and um you know uh you know the whole neglect and whatnot when I was younger it was I was very much into music so I spent most of my time since I was eight year old either playing with Legos or playing guitar uh and then when I got older um you know I was very shy I was very reserved uh introverted um I gravitated more towards like having friends with with women and girls Mm -hmm. um rather than than men um and I think that had a lot to do with my sexual abuse uh to be very frank yeah Um, do you you remember uh, what age that happened around I don't um you know uh, yeah the the, relative uh I'm close to um had the same thing happen to them and they remember very vividly everything that happened I consider myself fortunate that I don't remember those things yeah um yeah but I don't honestly don't I I I do remember flashes of things but I don't remember what age I was yeah man what thank you uh for sharing part of your story and this is what it's about man just being honest and uh sharing those those topics that maybe we shy away from but they're important to Mm -hmm. for us to bring out and sexual abuse is one of those topics so I just want to share that um you know there there might be some parts uh in this podcast that you might find triggering just I'm talking to to the audience right uh so I want you to remember to always take care of yourself always um look out for yourself if you find that there's a, there's something that 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 triggers you or brings up something in you uh, that's okay you know that's what the work is but also remember to take care of yourself if you need to reach out to us you know we're here as well um but yeah it's it's interesting to hear your story um where you grew up in texas where uh, you mentioned you know the houses were separated you know you're here in in a trailer there's a uh a family like an acre away so you would have to like yeah. walk all the way over there it was very different from my upbringing uh i i lived in mexico city so there's like 20 mm. million people in that city right yeah. in a small area so literally we are on top of each other so like there's a house <laughs> there's a house and then there's a and your tío lives in the top and your grandma lives on, <laughs> like right next to it so yeah. i think i i uh experienced the the community of the of growing up um mm. and it seems like for you um, maybe you experience part of that with, uh, you know, with your grandma, but then when, mm-hmm. when your grandma passed away, that's when kind of you guys started to kind of become a little bit apart. Is that right? Yeah. I, to be frank, I, and I never thought about it until you said to me, I think my family moved to the country, my mom and dad to oh. get away from his family. Okay. And then when my grandmother died, it was a reason to kind of disconnect a little bit. But my dad, obviously, he had an enmeshed relationship, right? Yeah. Um, to where he kind of had to keep going. He felt like he had to keep going back to that family of origin. Yeah, yeah. And this, it, I think I feel like as a father, there's this pull uh, of uh, your own family you mm-hmm. grew up with, your mom, your dad, brothers and sisters. And now you have a family right mm-hmm. um and sometimes it can be some conflicts um if you know there's not good communication um i recently 
uh, did a comment on the post kind of sharing that, that when we choose to marry someone or become, uh, um, you know, united with our partner, we give up that family, right? Not necessarily like mm -hmm. we're not going to care for them, but now our priority is our own family. And I feel mm -hmm. like sometimes um, it can be difficult, right? Um, mm -hmm. Especially if uh, you're favoring, you know, your mom or your dad, um, Mm -hmm. And then the, that can be, become uh, uh, become a conflict with your own family. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, kind of hearing your story and your dad's story, I feel like that's a little bit of what happened where, you know, he mm -hmm. still wants to be um, connected with his own family, but then kind of neglecting his a little bit. Is that right? Yeah. And I mean, I think once we keep talking, you'll hear a lot of, like, I, I admit that I had taken a lot of, my dad's story upon myself and internalize that all of his actions okay to where i recognize that you know a lot of what he did inside of me and the potential of that rather too yeah so i would like you to share a little bit more about that as as a young man mm -hmm. and then how did that influence uh to you uh, as you as you you, you know you found that you were going to be a dad and then that experience mm -hmm. of like transitioning to a, a father. Tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah, well, like I said, my my oldest sister, she's 13 or 15 years older than me. Um, she is my half sister. Okay. Um, and so I didn't find this out till I was late, oh, older. And so my I didn't understand till later on in my life that my dad came into a relationship with my mom as a father figure. Um, oh, okay. I didn't. You know, and then he had, you know, two kids, me and my sister, we're, we're very close in years together. Um, she's like less than 13 months younger than me. So just to uh, clarify, your sister is um, from your mom. Is that right? Yes. My older okay. sister. Okay, yeah. Perfect. And so I didn't understand that. So, you know, looking at who he is and how he reacted towards us, like, I, I get the feeling like he didn't want to be a father right uh, or, or didn't understand any of the like gravity the weight of being a father yeah um and so when i you know as i as i was growing up i didn't uh know what a good father looked. i just knew what a father looked like right i didn't mm. know good or bad it was just this is what you do right mm -hmm. and so when i got married and we had our uh we were we got pregnant you know i think within the first year I was overjoyed. Um, I was happy. I didn't have a great job at that point. I was painting houses. I, I was washing uh, these nice, beautiful tens of thousands of dollar boats um, mm. for these rich people. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. We're gonna, we're gonna make it. Um, but I was excited, right? Um, and then uh, I remember holding my first child, my daughter, and crying. Um, because she looked like a little furry monkey, um, but <laughs> I thought she was the most, you know, looking at the pictures yeah. back then, but, but I thought she was the most beautiful thing. And uh, I am the only Luna, so the only boy in the family to hold the family name. Mm -hmm. And I thought this little girl is a little Luna mm -hmm. and she is going to, she's, she is gonna be a new generation to do things differently. Than we've okay. done for for a long time um so the transition from that was 
was joyous. It was a lot of like joy. And mm -hmm. uh, I didn't think about the fear of not knowing what to do. I just knew that I wanted to do everything that I could for this little Ooh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I knew that my father didn't, it's felt like that at least. I don't know this for sure. It felt like he didn't want to be a father. He just yeah. knew that this was something that you do, right? Mm -hmm. And because he had a built-in uh, family, as soon as he got married, I think there was a bit of shame coming from his family of origin to where like, no, you have to have your own kids. Mm. And mm -hmm. he was just doing these steps. And I I, I recognize him for that. I see him for that, right? He yeah. was just doing what he, he, he thought he just knew how to do or he thought right. it was supposed to be done. Yeah, and I got to, I got to be a father, um, not once but you know three times. Yeah. Um, although I will, I will, I will say that. Hey, when you have two, make sure you're ready for a third. <laughs> and we talked about this before. Like, hey, three's a lot. Three's a lot. Right? <laughs> I know we had this conversation, and actually, you were the person that guided me about like how to uh, decide. Uh, if you wanted a, a third child or, or, or even more children, right? Uh, which is interesting. I'll share a little bit more about that uh, a little later. But um, I, I love what you're saying <clears throat> because I think it's very important to know how you come into fatherhood, right? And if it's intentional, where it's something that you, you're mm -hmm. looking for, if it's something that happened, or like your dad, you know, coming into a relationship with uh, with your mom that already had a child. And I think also the piece of the gestation period of the baby, you know, the nine months uh, while the baby's in the belly, that's also very important. It's like the transition, you know, psychologically for us as, as fathers, we're getting ready, you know, as, as much as the mothers, right? We're waiting. There's excitement there. There's anticipation there. There's, you know, a lot of uh, time to nest and create and stuff like that. So it helps us to make that transition from not having kids to not having kids, mm -hmm. right? And as a stepfather, I think you you don't have that. You don't have that. Yeah. Period. It's just like, here's your daughter now or your son mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. aquí está tu hijo aquí está tu hija now now you're a dad so there's yeah. a lot of um i think transition that the, the 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 man has to make to to not be fatherless to be in a father mm -hmm. and sometimes men have a hard time with that you know and and yeah additionally there's no support or guidance when men go through that transition so I think that that's important to know. And I, I'm just sharing this because, you know, our co-founder, Jose Salsa, he's a stepdad, right? And he yeah. went through that and he was sharing his experience uh, of going through that. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, not uh, all, all, all men make that transition of to be a conscious father. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. You're talking, about, you're yeah. talking about transitions and I think you know, uh, you've got little ones and I, I have ones that are just a little bit bigger than yours. Yes. And then we have, we, we both know people who have, you know, kids who are much bigger than ours. Um, but it's a, gosh, it's a constant transition mm -hmm. because I remember when they were, it was baby babies. Right. Yeah. And I was the most elated and most excited. And then they became toddlers and then maybe started saying no and started, you know, <laughs> expressing themselves. Yeah. And, and the transition was, 
wow, I have to transition with them. Like mm. I have to grow because, and we, I shared this before with you is that I didn't know I was angry and full of fear till I had, till I got married and I had kids. Oh yes. Because I when I was single, that. yeah. Yeah. When I was single, I, anything that was stressful, anything that caused me fear, anything that caused me to get angry, I could just walk away from. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's and true. when you are in a committed uh, relationship like, like that, and you have kids, that's a lot harder to get away from. Now I could just walk out, right? I could just go to the bar. I could just go do whatever I wanted to do, but yeah, you know, I, that wasn't a choice I made and I was alone. I had to figure out how to be able to you know, relieve those fears, get, you know, uh, alleviate that, uh, settle that anger, uh, you know, stop a lot of those things uh, and redirect myself. And I didn't have something like this um, to be able to hear somebody say that. It was me like figuring out, oh, I'm kind of shitty in this way. Yeah. Uh, I am an angry person in admitting that. And that's, that was, a, again, that transition that you're talking about. And I love that because, again, I think it's we're transitioning as fathers who want to be good fathers all the time. Yes, yes. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And yeah, you're right. You know, we're we're always transitioning, and our as our kids are growing up, they're uh, challenging us to be more right and to mm -hmm. grow with them as well. Uh, and we have to understand too that there are kids that are. I mean, all all kids are different, right? Even <laughs> like for yeah. my first daughter. I'm like, okay, you know, I think I got this. The second one comes along, it's like, whoa, <laughs> uh, what happened? Like, you're completely nope. different. Your, your, your mm -hmm. sister, you know, like, I thought you guys came from the same parents, but she's completely mm -hmm. different. You know, she has her own little attitude, her own little um, will. And, uh, and, and it's important to note, like, that we're always learning. We're always growing. Um, <clears throat> and you talked about, you know, kind of ha having some of those challenges of uh, dealing with your own things, right? Mm -hmm. So, what what are what, what are other challenges that you went through um, as you mm -hmm. were, you know, trying to father your children, and maybe you're, that you're going through now uh, that you feel you want to share? Yeah, I would say that the challenge, especially right now, like I have a daughter who's ten years old, and she is, you know, having these emotions, these deep emotions, these problems, mm. you know, mm. not problems, they, these, these challenges in her life yeah. with friends, with school, with, with her own body. Yeah. Um, and I have a son who's aut autistic. And mm -hmm. so he has a challenge with displaying his emotions, with being able to express anything. Um, right. You know, a lot of it's storytelling that he does a lot of it's, you know, tangents that he goes on, but he's trying to communicate. Right. And then my youngest, <laughs> My youngest has a speech impediment, so it's really hard for it to understand mm -hmm. and communicate. Yes. And yes. so the challenge has been to, first of all, communicate. Oh, uh -huh. my gosh. Like, I did not know I had to express myself for my kids to be able to express themselves. Okay. Uh, that I have to talk about what daddy's feeling. Uh, if when I when I start barking orders at them or I, I, I get snappy with them or yell mm -hmm. at them, mm -hmm. uh, to express that I'm sorry, right? Because I didn't hear that from anybody when I was young. Right. I don't think a lot of us did, right? Um, to yeah. express, hey, daddy was stressed out. Daddy was uh, angry at something that has nothing to do with you. 
I didn't know I had to communicate that to my kids for them to be able to communicate their feelings, right? Because so many times when they're little kids, they get snappy with us, they get attitude, they roll their eyes, or they just don't do it. They say no. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we see that that's all we see. And we don't understand that there's probably more behind it to where now my daughter's like, we'll come back after she gets snappy with me. She's like, hey, dad, I'm sorry. This is what happened at school today. Mm. I'm like, okay, Miha, like, let's talk about this, you know, and my son, he'll come back, and, you know, the, the middle one, he'll, he'll say something and he gets a real attitude about it. I perceive that he gets an attitude about it. Really, he's just trying to figure out what tone to use yeah. to communicate what he's feeling. Um, and again, it's that autism that he he has, and that's his gift um, that he is able to figure out, you know, what tone to use for specific situations. And right. he uses, the, you know, the the not right tone at this point. Yeah. So he'll come back and say, "Hey, Dad, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say it that way. This is what I meant to say." And I attribute that to me and my wife saying, "Hey." when we come back and say, hey, this is what we're, this is why this happened, right? And yeah. communicating our feelings. The other challenge was coming from a Latino family was the guilt and shame. Like, uh, I mean, is like disciplining with guilt and shame. So mm, I, whenever I grew I up, yeah. was that if I, if I did something wrong, you felt that you did something wrong. Nobody was going to let you feel like you didn't do something wrong, right? Yeah. There wasn't that comfort. There wasn't that acceptance. There wasn't that assurance that you're safe. It's, right. You have to feel that you did something wrong. Yeah. And I struggle with that a lot still. Like to this day, like I think, hell, I think probably this morning I did something to where I was like, uh, oh, so my littlest this morning, he's not supposed to eat before we get up because he will just make a mess everywhere. Mm, mm -hmm. He's four years old. Like that's expected, but like we close the pantry door and we put yeah. a little child lock on it because he really will make a big mess. Yeah. So I see, as soon as I get out my, my room, I see crumbs from the pantry, pop tart crumbs all the way to his room, to his sister's room. So this dude was like having a buffet <laughs> walking around the house and I got upset at him. I go, I, I said, no, you have to pick up. And then I kept saying it. Mm. And I, in my mind, I was like, you can stop. You can say it once and that's it. Like he is, he doesn't need to be reminded. Yeah. Like he's just feeling bad. You're making that shame there. And so yeah. again, I had to go back and say, Hey, Titi, I'm sorry. You know, daddy should have just said it once. Um, so it's the guilt and shame really of how we were raised shedding yeah. that and accepting our kids for where they're at. Um, explaining to them what they did, you know, disciplining them and explaining to them what they did, you know, wasn't the right thing to do. And that's it, like loving them where they're at. And that has been the most hardest thing for me because I, all I want to do is make sure that they know that they did something wrong, but I don't always show them how to do the right part of that, right? The, the other opposite side of the coin. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, man, man, you said so much, so many things. So, and thank you for sharing, you know, those, those challenges and struggles with your different children, right? As we mentioned, each child is going to be different, but then even having a child with different needs, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, of your middle child being in the spectrum, um, that can also become challenging and the little one, you know, having this own uh, speech uh, challenges as well. So, yeah, I think that modeling part as a as a parent, but you know, now as a dad, modeling good communication um and expressing como nos sentimos, how we're feeling is very mm -hmm. important, you know? Uh 
and it's something that I had to learn as well because I didn't see that. I didn't see that being modeled, right? Uh, my yeah. dad never came to me and say like, hey, son, uh, I'm sorry because I did this or <laughs> this is what we're yeah. doing or, you know, how are you yeah. feeling? You know, there was no like mm -hmm. acknowledgement, uh, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying, of, of my experience. Um, obviously, there was uh, certain points, but not as much as I think mm -hmm. I needed uh, at that point, right? And I also love the idea of the parenting model that um, not everybody, you know, we do a lot of generalizations, but uh, what that a lot of our cultura sees, which is the guilt and shame and fear. I would add mm -hmm. a fear to the, mm -hmm. to that to that equation yeah. as well because it's like si no haces esto te va a pasar esto, you know? Yes, exactly. And, and, and um, <laughs> just even like. Uh, like for example, I I see that I I saw this a lot growing up. Was like, te va a llevar ese señor. Si no si no te yes. Te Who is this señor that's gonna come pick me up? Yeah, talking about right. So, this random man that you're putting out in the in the botanica or the tienda. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm not gonna take you. Like he's looking at me like I'm not gonna take you. Like just, I don't know what you're talking about, señora. Right. I don't. Or, 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 so, or I, that some, was the thing. Yeah. Or some people will be like, see, sí, the way you about, and then you're like, oh shit. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's gonna no. it's gonna take me like away from my parents, and you're like mm -hmm. trying to figure out. So it's all these fear based uh parenting, right? And. Mm -hmm. I think fear uh, as, as a parent is great to change behavior and to make kids not do something, but it doesn't teach. It doesn't fully teach what you yeah. want your kid to, to be doing. So it's more of like- I would the, say it does teach it. It does teach, but it teaches the fear. It doesn't teach mm -hmm. anything but fear and shame. Right. right. And they don't know that they're what they're feeling is shame. Yeah. And that's scary to me. Like, I don't, I, I'm teaching my kids shame, but I don't know, they, they don't know what that is. Exactly. Exactly. So now they feel that, well, I, you know, I feel growing up now that there's, that I have to do something or, you know, there's, there's this guilt, right. And, and shame mm -hmm. that we talked about. So, um, yeah, I really, I really like that. Um, and, I think I want to take this podcast into talking a little bit more about your relationship with your partner, uh, if that's okay. Um, yeah. Because I think that that is, you know, foundation to to being a dad and and uh, and also yeah. having children with different needs and challenges. Um, you know, we know that the divorce rate is what over fifty percent. And even uh, for couples that have kids that uh, have kids with special needs, it's even higher. And I totally understand yeah. that because having children is difficult and it does put mm -hmm. a lot of strain in the relationship with you and your partner. And even when, when there's a child with special needs, that's even more. So what are some things that you found to be helpful in having that relationship with your partner yeah that's a good question um i think I, I it's i know i have a good relationship with her it's just putting those those what that is into words and i think it's a one of the, one thing is respect like i i have full respect of her and her agency mm. like she does not do anything that you know she doesn't want to do but we also communicate about it, you know, right? We communicate why we don't want to do that. 
um, and she communicates with me, you know, uh, how to do things. So like, she is an amazing parent. She learns our kids. Um, and mm. she teaches me how to be able to do interact with them in certain ways as well. Then okay. he mentioned too that as we were finding out that my middle my middle son has uh, has autism, that everything when we were taking the test, everything that they were saying, I was like, yes, for myself. And so I definitely have that as well. So understanding that she's teaching me and I'm being able to express my emotions and be able to talk about things mm. uh, in a way that other people can understand. Um, and so and it's helped me relate to my son even more because he was actually the one where it was the most contention between me and him because we were kind of both the same person and we weren't understanding each other. And now that yeah. I know that he is because my wife has taught me and we had this diagnosis, um, it's helped me relate to him even more. So respect, but also respecting the things she has to say, uh, giving room for her to be able to express those needs. And I think the one thing that I've done most recently is shutting up um, to where I'm listening more. And I, I would attribute this a lot to, to the program that y'all got, y'all have, you, we did listening time. And I think it's, it's, is really like a, a native practice, like our, our ancestors practice, our platica, right? We sat around and we just listened. Mm -hmm. Like uh, the storytelling, some, right? Yes, yes. And so I started doing that with her. And I think the problem with it before, because we, you know, I think we've been told as men, hey, women just want you to listen, right? But when we, you guys talked about it, it was like, hey, sit there and you're not what you're, you're not going to talk about you know, how to fix things. You're not going to, you're just not going to talk at all. Yeah. And that was the hardest thing for me, but it was the most beautiful part because she got to, I got to hear about more of her, of her day. I got to hear about more of what's going on mm -hmm. and I got to learn more. Um, yeah. And I would say that, you know, respecting that you might be on different pages. Like we are on different pages a lot. Yeah. Um, when it comes to kids, when it comes to the work, when it comes to uh, the house, when it comes to money, like we're on different pages, um, but being able to give way to her and respect her enough to listen to what she has to say again, and like being okay with being on different pages, mm -hmm. because eventually we'll get on the same page. I think what we've done a lot is we've said a lot of the same things, but in different ways, our own special ways. Yeah. Uh, and being able to hear each other and see each other. Um, but it's been hard. Like, like you said, having three kids with, uh, who, are, who are very different from each other, having three kids, period, is, mm -hmm. is hard. Yeah. I keep saying that. Uh, but with different needs, that's hard too. I, I just, I keep choosing to love this woman every single day. Ooh, um, choosing to love. She doesn't make it. Yeah, she doesn't make it hard. Um, there are hard moments, right? Where it's like, wow, like I don't want to be around you sometimes, right? And I, <laughs> yeah. I say that I say that openly because we we will tell people this and they'll be like shocked, right? When we yeah. when we get together in a group of families or parents. And it's like, no, like you don't ever feel like that. And they're like to the side, they're like, Yes, I feel like that, but I'm not gonna say that out loud. Like, yeah, no, we know each other, like we we know each other intimately to where we can say that, yeah, sometimes I don't want to be around you. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And and it takes the respect and it takes the, I, I think, honestly, it is a lot of respect and the intimacy to be able to say that and not be super hurt to where she's like, I don't want to be around you. I'm like, yeah. I was like, you know what? I get that. I wouldn't want to be around me too right now. I am, I'm, I'm being real picky. I'm being real petty right now. And yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's some of what I would put in words. I don't, I don't know how to put everything else that I would. Yeah. No. Sometimes. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that share. Um, also, I, I want to uh, just kind of highlight some of the things that you mentioned. I like that you said um, being a good listener. Right. And, and, Oftentimes, I feel like um, we feel as men that we are always supposed to be the leaders and take the lead on things, but maybe step, mm -hmm. stepping back a little bit and listening and allowing um, our partner to to guide and be the leader, right? I think that's mm -hmm. what happened with you and um, your, um, you know, you're saying you're also learning how to communicate and with your mm -hmm. with your son. Um so I think that that's important, right? Being a, a good a good listener as a partner, uh, and not trying to fix because you know, like we're really good at fixing things, right? And that's another hard part. I'm not. I'm, I'm good <laughs> at making things really complicated. <laughs> yeah, we but we think we're we we have the yeah we think we want to we want yeah. to share right away, and that listening uh, skill, you know, the one we talked about has taught has taught me to even though I want to say something really bad and like oh man if i just mm -hmm. want to say this it's like all right you gotta kind of mm -hmm. let her finish let her uh you know allow her to or or just anybody right that that can be difficult uh to do um so yeah definitely i i love that uh, i love that you said also choosing to love her on every day right mm -hmm. because i feel like love will take you so far in your relationship but then you have to choose to love that person mm -hmm. and that takes intentional work that takes communication that takes spending time with that individual so i really really uh loved everything that you said um if i can any... if i can yeah. amend something so i will say that i want to amend that she she just she doesn't get to finish right just like my kids don't get to finish what they're saying uh, I would say that my my mentality's got gotten from there to get to finish to like no they deserve to be able to be heard they deserve to you know have these wonderful things that I I can give them right I I just they deserve to get those things from me they deserve to be heard um, that's where my mentality has switched from like oh I need to they get to and no they deserve does that make sense mm. yeah yeah they're worthy enough right they're worthy yeah. enough to to be heard. And, and finish mm -hmm. what they have to share um mm -hmm. and i think that's beautiful because then they they also reflect that you know like it's it's interesting how our kids really learn from seeing what we do not necessarily mm -hmm. from like telling them <laughs> you know you gotta do this you gotta yeah. do that it's like more like mm -hmm. this is how we do it and and, and seeing that right so mm -hmm. yeah that that's really that's really really big um, is there anything else you want to share about that? Um, yeah, I would say that with with my wife and my kids is that I have learned also to back down and not let my ego and pride um, take over because 
you know, standing your ground against an eight-year-old who doesn't make you right, um, doesn't make you a better person. Uh, if your focus is, is on being right and trying to be the bigger person, then uh, that's the wrong focus. Um, the focus should be on that that child or that, pers or that person to comfort them and accept them. Uh, there's been so many times where my ego and my pride have gotten in the way of me loving my children and my and my partner correctly and the way they want to be loved. Um, and that takes a lot of different forms. And again, that's something that goes back to my father. You know, he, uh, and just most of the men in my life, they needed to be respected. They needed to be uh, held in high regard to where they wouldn't back down from even the most unreasonable thing. And so I hear that when I'm, when I'm again, doing that guilt and shame to where I, I, I will back down. I, my pride dies a little bit and I'm okay with that. That part of me dies a little bit. Um, so that's something I, I, I want to make sure to add because I think a lot of the, the masculinity talk doesn't address the ego and pride part of it, the nasty part of it, right? Because there are some good parts of the ego and good, and there's some things you should take pride in, but I think a lot of it doesn't address it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I just want to ask you, because we talked about this a little bit um, before we started recording, that cultural difference, right? So mm -hmm. your uh, wife is white, right? And mm -hmm. you, yeah. you are, uh, your kids are biracial. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. Like, how has that been? Uh, what are some things that you, you want to share with the audience about that? If there's any by uh you know in interrational um relationships um mm -hmm. what would you like to share about that yeah it's been a journey man uh we just talked about it right before we talked you know just the the little things of and, and, and frankly the contrast of her upbringing to my upbringing the cultural differences highlight some of the things that are valuable on my in the way i was brought up and then some of the things that i can i can do away with and vice versa with her too right so I always thought, this is my faulty thing, I always thought that white people didn't care about their kids because they let them do whatever the hell they want, right? And brown people cared about their kids because they didn't let them do anything. Because <laughs> we didn't couldn't go to houses, anybody's house. We couldn't let anybody come over to the house. We couldn't go to birthday parties that weren't, you know, our familia. Um, and white kids, white kids could do anything. And having my wife contrast that with saying, hey, like, uh, we see the value in community outside of just our family. Um, so we're taking the communal as community aspects from from my culture and then expanding it out to more than just my culture, right? Our kids are exposed to two different things and we don't shy away from those conversations of the cultural aspect and the and the race aspects specifically because I have two kids who are different shades of brown than I have my third one who's extremely pale. Um, so there's going to be conversations about that, right? Um, but having that relationship is has been, I think, probably the most difficult parts are the raising the kids, having thinking about things differently um, to where disciplining, right? Disciplining for me was the chancla and the hand and the belt and everything in between that you could use, the spoon too, right? Um, for her... Um, it, you know, she grew up in a, in a house that had that violence too. Um, and so 
she took away from that experience that I don't want to do that. I took away from that experience that, no, this is the way things are done. And we both had to figure out that, no, we don't want to do those things. Um, the way our tone is for the kids, um, she has a that soft, permissive tone. Um, and I have that sharp, old Mexican dad tone. You know, uh, you know, uh, stop it or I'm going to spank you, right? I have like very sharp tones. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I can yeah. get, you know, I, I'm, I'm that, still that Mexican dad. Sometimes where like I am soft spoken until I get, whew, like mm -hmm. ten. It goes from zero to ten real quick, and then you know it's it's very much a don't get dad mad thing, right? Yeah. And then mom yeah. again is that person to try to like try to gel everybody. So, I think those are the biggest cultural things. And I think I, it's I think that kind of transcends culture sometimes, especially the way you were raised, but. um and then, you know, I think having my kids be exposed to both cultures, we we see, we see everybody, like we see mm. their beautifulness. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. My kids, I'm for, we don't have a very uh, international group in our, in our, in our school. So it's really mostly Mexicanos, Hispanics, and, and white people mm -hmm. um, in the, in the city we live in. Yeah. But my kids have, have friends from all different types. Uh, and I find that very beautiful yeah. because they see them and they see who they, their friends are and they celebrate that. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we had Lunar Festival here for uh, our Asian community, yeah. um, my daughter was like, hey, you know, I have a friend. Can we, she, can she come with us? And uh, she's, her friend's Korean. They celebrate Lunar Festival as well. And it was beautiful to see that, you know, we don't have, again, a lot of Asian people in our, in our, of uh in our city but we went to you know to a close city and yeah. she got to see something else different right yeah. um so because we are interracial because we're in a, it mixed culturally um we are able to like expand our horizons a little bit better yeah yeah i think uh what i i got from that is like you're taking kind of best of both worlds right some mm -hmm. values from the latino community latino uh latinx community and then from um here from a, a, a white American community as well, mm -hmm. and then exposing your children to um, different cultures, right? So they can understand, mm -hmm. you know, why people celebrate, uh, you know, Chinese New Year or why people, we, we celebrate Black History Month and, you know, so expanding uh, our horizons because when I was growing up, I didn't know anything about that, you know. Yeah. So I'm I'm learning as I as I'm as as an adult. So what mm -hmm. better way to expose them when they're little? And you also mm -hmm. said that you know you don't shy away from those conversations about race and culture. Uh, what do you mm -hmm. think? Uh, if you can think about uh, what are some conversations that you've had to have with your children? around that topic and maybe how did you uh, go about it mm. so when my first my first two were little um we went to a school in austin we lived in austin for about six years um and most of the people around there were white and uh most people we associated with were white because we didn't have very many a lot of mexicanos where we were living at um it was the cheapest place to to rent but there were still wasn't <laughs> mexicanos or anybody mm -hmm. really of color there and my daughter was crying one day this little this little four-year-old and she's like daddy why don't i have blonde hair i want blonde mm -hmm. hair and i go and mm -hmm. we talked about it and i go no like you are beautiful like i just kept telling her like she you are you are made to be this way yeah. and it is beautiful 
Yeah. Um, and I had to had to break it to her that nobody in mommy's and mommy and daddy's family has has naturally blonde hair, so you're never gonna have blonde hair. Mm, yeah, but yeah. Um, you know, when we had our third one, he is no, he's very white presenting, mm. and so, you know, we had to have conversations over because they were like, oh no, Theo's white, and I'm like, no, Theo's brown too he just doesn't show it he's 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 still my son right and you are still yeah. my daughter you're both yeah. you guys are mixed um and we you know we talk about that we talk about what that means um we don't obviously there's there's age appropriateness right uh we don't talk about certain certain things that have to do with race that are just a little bit more present in the media right now right um because that's that's not age appropriate yeah um but my daughter knows about you know her ancestors and her um her nativeness her mm -hmm. indigenousness yeah um and we've had to talk like no you know your your little brother is still indigenous he's still brown he still mm -hmm. has the culture yeah. um and it's your responsibility to view him as 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 the same way because he's yeah. no different than you mm -hmm. um and so but I love that they notice those things too, right? It's some it's one thing to live oblivious to those things because I think if we didn't address those things when they asked about it, yeah. Um, why why mommy's white and daddy's brown? Um I used to be she used to say that I was black for the longest time. <laughs> like, well, no, I, I'm darker than you are, but I'm not black. We're, we're, we're very much brown. Um, you know, and then her her friends who are who uh who are of different races and, and, and different cultures we talk about those things too mm -hmm. and we learn about those things and she's like yeah. well, what do what do what do what is what is my friend who does who's this what do they what do they celebrate and i was like you know what mommy let's look it up and yeah so we, let's, looked let's it up, right? we talked about it yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. i love that i love that you're reaffirming um who they are no matter the skin color they are and then just bringing it back to their indigenous um ancestry whether that be from the latino or the hispanic or just the you know uh, the community or also mm -hmm. from her other side right mm -hmm. uh indigenous because mm -hmm. we're all indigenous to to somewhere somewhere, <laughs> somewhere. <Yeah. laughs> so it's just like bringing those parts together right mm -hmm. bringing those uh people together instead of saying well no um you know you're white or you're brown it's just, no and, and especially like me mexicanos you know there's all shades of mexicanos you know mm -hmm. we have the hueros and we have mm -hmm. the the afro uh mexicanos or or, or latino afro latinos you know mm -hmm. so there's not really like um this if you're this color <laughs> you're more yeah. mexicano than or more latino than than the other so it's about loving um, our ourselves, you know, and that's something that I also do with my daughter. It's just like I love your brown skin, I love mm -hmm. your curly hair, and mm -hmm. you know, I I think that's beautiful. And I think that when a dad is able to share that, especially to a daughter, mm -hmm. um, it really goes a long way, right? Yeah, because you're reaffirming who they are, and mm -hmm. and hopefully that's gonna help them build up their self esteem. And be able to set a, a standard for the relationships that they might have later on, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of share that. Well, man, I can keep talking to you, brother. I, I really <laughs> appreciate your time. But I, I want to yeah. start and uh, kind of winding it down. And the question that I have, just to kind of close it off, um, is if you can have 
if you could have a dinner with yourself uh, before you had children, so, you know, well, how old were you when you had children? I was a lot older than most people, uh, 27. 27. So let's just say, mm. you know, you're, you're, you're going back in time and you're having dinner with yourself at 26. Uh, mm. Knowing what you know now and everything that you have experienced now, what would you share to your younger self at that dinner table? Mm. I would say, man, that's hard. I, I might get emotional. Um, I would say you are worthy of love. Mm. You are worthy. You deserve to be heard. You deserve to be cared for. Um, and who you are is something special. So you should probably go to therapy. <laughs> I would, uh, uh, I, I, I would say to him that, you know, you, you, you have lived a long life by yourself and you don't have to do it anymore. Um, therapy will help you figure out how to become more open, um, more softer, um, and more of who you are, uh, and I say that because I had done those, I have done those things yeah. and I have been in those places. Yeah. Uh, and that therapy has helped me be able to come in, come be, be here and be present and be able to uh, explain some of my thoughts and some of my actions. Uh, yeah. Yeah, brother. Oh man, that's so beautiful. I, it was, I just had to crack up because you're like you know sharing about you know you're worthy you're loved yeah. and you should go to therapy <laughs> which you know it, it's, it's great you know we definitely want to normalize uh men going to therapy mm -hmm. um but yeah if that's a, the the support that you need we mm -hmm. you know we encourage that um so I, I i'm so happy to be here with you for you to share your journey with us and uh, many more to come, compadre. Uh, thank you so much. Any last words? Any do you want to share uh, where people can follow you or any any projects that you may be working on? No projects right now. Uh, you can you can find uh, me and my my beautiful partner, my family at La Luna Spirits. We have a mobile bar and we mm. do cocktails and whatnot uh, on La Luna Spirits uh, on Instagram. Uh, we're taking on a short hiatus because taking care of, of this family right now, and then we'll be back at it soon in this next year. Um, but I, what I want to say is, you know, thank you so much, Ifran, for for bringing me here. It's 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 nice to be here, and it's nice to see your face again. And yeah. I am so happy that there are resources like this for us um, by us. Uh, and I just wish you the guys the best. Uh, I look forward to talking to you and Jose and all the men. Uh, again, I hope one day to actually make it out to California to yes. see you guys in, in person. Maybe, maybe you might be taller than I think you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny. Yeah, because you know, like we talked about this, where it's like you see people through Zoom or you know virtually, and mm. you're like, ah, they're short, and, and then they're like super tall, <laughs> or, or vice versa, right? Yeah, like yeah. Really tall, and then it's like, what what happened? <laughs> so yeah, I, I appreciate you, and and likewise, hopefully, um. Oh, I do plan to make it out to Texas uh, in the probably in the next year or two. Uh, and definitely would love to uh, take a visit. Um, yeah. And, and just, you know, give you a big hug, brother. So yeah. 
Uh, I appreciate you. Muchas gracias. And with that, we're out. And just remember, just show up, compadre. Thank you so much.